Hey everyone, just a quick message here that this episode is brought to you by a new shop that I just launched. That's right, popcotour.shop is a new merch shop where you can not only find Loki Geek and eventually Movie Time merchandise, but you will find merchandise dedicated to some of the biggest things in pop culture at the moment. Whether it's movies, TV, video games, memes, or anything of the like, you'll find some of the homages to some of the biggest things that are happening currently at the time. You also eventually we'll find some cool retro throwbacks in here and there the shop just launched so bear with me i'm filling in the inventory but you'll find new stuff dropping every week but to help celebrate the launch of this brand new merch shop i'm giving all of you the listeners subscribers here at the low-key geek channel a nice little discount to check it out so if you use the code low-key geek at checkout you'll get yourself a nice little 15 percent discount so definitely check it out this is another great way to help support the channel and show your love and support for everything that we do here but it's also a brand new venture of my own you know just going out into the retail market so any support that you could throw our way would be greatly appreciated so once again that is pop couture p-o-p-c-o-u-t-u-r-e dot shop pop dot shop a shop for geeks who are chic It's about that time to grab your favorite snack and sit back and relax because you are now listening to the Movie Time Podcast with your hosts, low-key geek Renee Zalata and Blake the Wolf. Take it away, boys. Hey, Hey, what's up, everybody? Like, I have a very important question to ask you, and what what th- this episode will be determined based on whether or not you choose to accept what I'm going to tell you or ask you. Um, are you ready to talk about Mission Impossible Seven? I am. Okay, great. But As wait, it it's been... not actually Blake. It's been Tom Cruise. Oh no! Well, I'm not actually Renee. I am Blake. Oh. oh. If you Photoshop that in later, big kudos. Oh my god, it's, it's that's that's so much work. That's gonna be a whole other level of editing right there that I'm not anywhere near. But uh, <laughs> but yes, we are here obviously to talk about the big movie of the week, and that is Mission Impossible Seven, which is Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Um, the first time a Mission Impossible has a two-parter in the series in the whole franchise, so yeah, obviously. This is going to be a momentous uh, event movie um, for the summer. And uh, yeah, Blake and I were going to basically talk about our thoughts and feelings of the movie, you know, how it kind of correlates and how it, you know, gels with the whole franchise in general and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, if you don't know yet, I am Renee, Loki Geek. That's my buddy Blake there. What's going on, dude? Outside of all of this Mission Impossible stuff, how have you been? There are other things going on. I've been binging impossible yeah. movies leading up to this conversation. What other things could possibly be going on? Because I've... the world has been, in my mind, about to end, or there's going to be a nuke go off, or plutonium being exchanged every single day for the last five days as I get through these, sometimes twice in the same day. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm all in on this franchise right now. I have absorbed it uh, th- through just like just clockwork orange style just 
keep my eyes open and watch just, them all. So just, yeah, I can't yeah. fathom anything else being worth talking about other than the fate of the world. And the greater the suffering, the greater the peace. That's so right. So I'm excited to peace through these with you. Uh, what about you, man? Yeah, no. I, oh, I'm totally ready because like you said, I don't think anything else is worthy talking about. You know, I mean, you know, strikes and writers and actors and uh, maybe the fate of Hollywood, uh, not important right now. Right now, it's all about Mission Impossible, Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise, summer blockbuster king. That's right. I'm calling him the king of the summer blockbuster at this point. Uh, okay. I mean, he, he when he comes out, he comes out. And he comes out swinging, yeah. you know. Yep. And yep. apparently, Two, in a row. and apparently, he loves popcorn when he watches movies. It's all about popcorn at the movies, you know. So yeah, how can you not, right? So before we get into all that, obviously, if you are brand new to this channel and you're seeing us or listening to us for the very first time, hello, welcome. Glad uh, you can join us. We are the Movie Time Podcast, which is a weekly movie talk review podcast where you know you got two guys talk and bullshit about movies and if you like what you see and you want to see more of this stuff obviously subscribe follow do all that nice stuff hit that like button on youtube's hit the notification bell to get notified every time a new episode is uploaded um that's a great way to show your support but another great way is to also comment Join in on the conversation. Let us know your thoughts about everything that we're talking about. Uh, I know on podcast platforms, you can't do that really. But again, I am still promoting this and pushing this. I would love for someone to leave a voice message on Spotify. The option is there. Just go ahead and do it because that would be like the best thing ever. Uh, and we will play it on our on a future episode whenever that happens. So definitely make it happen. Also, if you are in the podcast app, just go to the review five star thing, right? Yes. Review. It actually bumps it up. It does. And somehow our YouTube numbers are often much better than our, our podcast numbers. So if you are doing that or you just got the podcast app, just go do that real quick. Yeah. And, and show the love that way. Yeah. It really helps um, show the support and helps the channel grow and all that and gets you know more awareness of what we do here and all that. Because obviously we would love to build the community and have a community filled of movie lovers, cinephiles, movie nerds, all that stuff, just having conversations about movies because what what other better way to spend your time and talk about the things that we love and all that. So uh, prompt for the comments, put a comment right now. Yeah. How do you how do you do popcorn at the movies? No popcorn? Add candy ah. to it? Extra butter? I'm honestly curious. Do you make popcorn at home? Do you microwave it? I actually do stovetop. I make it got kernels in there. I've got a recipe. That's right. My secret is you use um what's it called it's the it's a powder like a is it called wow now i'm blanking protein powder like yeast powder oh whey flavor healthier than butter and all that stuff okay but it it adds like a a nice little it's got flavor to it and it's not overwhelming i've got this little powder i'm not proud of this one it's like this little butter powder that like tastes Uh like butter but you just put powder in it so i add that a little bit of salt just mm, i'll get a i'll eat so much popcorn that way i mean that's some good yeah home popcorn and none of you are gonna have it but i want to know what you do <laughs> what's your popcorn situation there's yeah, some weird but... ones i've heard some wild ones and I'll, oh yeah just add that to the comments real quick i'm sure i mean especially like if you go to like those dine-in theaters because they have like some unique popcorn stuff like if you oh, go yeah. to like the alamo draft house they have like, is it the parmesan cheese uh popcorn that you could buy um and it's bottomless too 
Well, so that means you get free refills on that stuff. Um, but it's huge. It's gigantic. A big, giant silver bowl they plop down right in front of you. Um, but yeah, I, a question that I have, too, because I have a friend who goes nuts with this stuff, is salt. How much salt do you put on your popcorn? Because That's this... what can ruin it because you can get yeah. dehydrated and kind of sick and nauseous. Exactly. Too much butter and too much salt. I'm literally not okay because I'll eat a large popcorn if it doesn't yeah. have too much of that. But you want some flavor. Of course. of course, of course. So yeah. uh, for me, it's basically as minimal as I can to up the flavor, but not feel it afterward because that that's what will ruin it for me. Yeah. And then I'm going to town on the soda and then I'm having to like, you got to. This is a two hour and 42 minute. Yeah. Ish, and and, like, and you got to run to the bathroom. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I have like, to say, like Tom Cruise, just <laughs> you're just sure. running. You're just yeah. running to the bathroom and you have like a quick montage in your head about the whole thing. <laughs> this is the first movie that I actually had to run to the bathroom, like like desperately run to the bathroom. And I have yeah. never done that in any movie in a long, long time. So, but a good, I didn't mind it so much because one of the reasons why I'm so happy to talk about this movie now is because I've actually seen this movie already a long time ago. And I'm so happy I could actually say that because the movie's out and all that. But I saw a very early screening of this movie I want to say back in maybe February, March. I don't remember exactly when, but. What? <laughs> Everyone and I are actually friends, and I hate it when he does this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just happened to go see the Mission Muscle movie a few months early. Wow. Mr. Yeah. Big Time. Okay. Okay. I'm yeah. glad you get to talk about it as, yeah. as I just saw. Hey, I've, I've been sitting on this for a long time, and I just like, I've been dying to talk about this movie and all that. And, of I, you know, it's like, and then I got to see it again on uh, Tuesday. You know, and I'm like, you know what? They didn't change much of anything from the last time I saw it. You know, I mean, running time is maybe I would say 10 minutes shorter, but that's 10 minutes only that they cut out. And I'll tell you exactly what I know they cut out mostly um, when we get into it here. But uh, yeah, so let's talk about the movie uh, in the franchise. Well, what we could do is like, how much of a fan were you of the franchise in general? Because for me... Uh, the very first one has a special place in my heart because that was one of the last movies I saw in the movie theater with my mom. Um, you know, she's still alive. You know, I don't, I don't want people to think that she's dead, but she just doesn't go to movies anymore. But yeah. this was like the last time. It was so bad. She hated it so much. <laughs> it ruined her whole experience. It was like, so good. She was like, like, I can't go to another movie after that. What's the point? Right. Get better. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I, no, she That's really enjoyed it. You know, she really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think that was one of the rare moments where i realized how big of a star tom cruise was because mm-hmm. like she was just happy to see tom cruise in the movie yeah. and and um john voight um like like she she's very familiar with him and vanessa redgrave it's just like oh vanessa was fabulous in this movie and all that and i'm like i don't think i know who these people are and then i had to kind of look back and and all that but yeah what were your thoughts about the franchise as a whole and uh you know both blake and i actually did a whole rewatch unplanned unscheduled he did it on his own i did mine on my own you know we had a very rainy last couple of weekends here so i just i took one weekend and i was like i'm gonna binge through this whole entire franchise um but yeah what were you what are your feelings about the franchise in general so i've seen all these movies in theaters except maybe the first one i think i missed i was probably a little too young i'd have to really do a memory search but um i actually saw two through seven with your mom in theaters and i know you said it was the last time she went to theaters 
was the last time you went to the theater with her. She and I have seen them all. It's like appointment viewing. That's why she hasn't been going with you. My God, like, she oh, lied no, to me this whole night. time. Oh, yeah, man. Sorry, man. Um, I'm sorry you had to find out on air. Terrible. <laughs> oh, man. My <laughs> world has just changed right now. <laughs> no, but for real. So the what I didn't realize is how big of a fan I was of the entire franchise because I've seen them piecemeal. Yeah. I haven't rewatched them in a while. Every now and then you just kind of like, okay, this one's on. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it and enjoy it and remember the beats. But for the most part, I didn't realize how much I remembered the first one. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense because I was a boy and we had the VHS yep. of MI1. When you're young and you have a VHS or something, you watch that about a thousand times uh, back yeah. in the 90s. Mm-hmm. The 90s were great for watching the same movie a thousand times. You have like 10 VHSs and they're getting burned out. Yep. Um, and then the second one, I also remembered a lot of the beats way more than I thought I would. After that, these are mainly movies I would have seen, been older and seen in theaters once. But mm-hmm. I saw them all for sure. Um, I was surprised by that. I kept thinking like, oh, maybe there'll be one that I just missed or kind of forgot about. Because especially there were some years there where I was Mr. Cinephile and Blockbuster suck, Marvel movies suck, like that attitude about things. Sure. But no, these are, to me, these have been appointment viewing. And I would say it's pretty similar to James Bond. Yeah. I will say these are more fun than James Bond. James Bond is cool and self-referential and it's more like suave. Mm. And this one is more in your face. Get it's American. With the intensity of the action. Yeah, that's actually a good description. It's basically yeah. the same thing, but like, but what if we just made it American, more explosions <laughs> and more evil can evil stuff and more right. uh, angel air show stuff, right. all that. Yeah, that's Ethan Hunt. Really Ethan song, Hunt yeah. is the American James Bond. That's basically what yeah. it is. Yeah. Not subtle about things. No. He's just. <laughs> I love. I like that. That makes sense now. Yeah. But to me, it's similar. Where even if I'm in, a, in like, oh, I don't go see fast movies, which now I do, but. Even then, these are special. And to me, these are blockbusters, but they kind of transcend it in their own way. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've apparently really enjoyed the franchise, at least enough to where when I'm watching, I'm like, oh yeah, then this is going to happen. And mm-hmm. there weren't as many surprises, which is something this movie is good at doing, is they'll do a, they'll fake out the audience, or you'll think, no way is this going to happen, or is, he, is that character going to die? And that's getting context as an adult for something I hadn't seen since the 90s was cool too, where... And my one comes out, I go, Emilio Estevez is in this movie. Yep. And I got to relive that whole trip, which I won't say in case someone's just now going to like, they love MI7, they're watching them, they're going to go back through them. But at this point, it's with, it's way too late. It's like, like that, that, that's maybe been out of the bag for a long maybe time. Maybe Blockbuster's been backlogged and they can't get it, the rental. Like this, Hollywood video, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you have a 22-year wait for this film. Um, <laughs> but no, basically at, at various points throughout the franchise, they let you know the stakes are real. Yeah. And sometimes people don't come back. And that's smart to start it off. And that's happened looking back a few times. And there's mm-hmm. it's one of my problems with a lot of like Marvel movies or there's certain franchises where there aren't stakes and there's certain franchises where there are. And when the blip happened and people thought everyone really disappeared, I was going, they didn't kill half their hot actors from this franchise. Right. But then some people do die, but then they get resurrected in a new way or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is one where like, there are stakes and they are actually, and you know that the main character is not going to die. So people have theorized that he might die in the next one and it might get handed off. I don't think that's going to happen, but um, you know that the bomb, the big bomb is not going to go off and the world won't end, but there are times where they don't succeed in the impossible mission or it goes yeah. South or it turns out it was a double fake or whatever. So I like that about these, these movies. And that's part of why I was so invested in this one because I'm, I'm into it. And then this one, to me, as far as action goes, like these are 
the best ratings I've seen on a blockbuster mm-hmm. in a long time. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure there's some exceptions. There's some things I'm not thinking of, but any Marvel movie, other top, um, other mission impossible James Bonds, whatever these Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic letterbox, these scores are really good. Mm-hmm. And I, same for me. So I'm going to have a lot of nice things to say about it, but that's kind of what I'm bringing into, into the experience before I got to the theater and had the theater experience. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, for me, like, I, I have been a huge fan of this franchise. Um, like I said, the first one, very similar to you. I It was a VHS that I owned, and it was three of, it was one of three that I had on replay a lot in, in, my, in my room whenever I wanted to watch a movie. It was this, Jurassic Park, or the 89 Batman. It was like, those are the movies that I would constantly rewatch and, and put in all the time. So when it comes, when I did my own rewatch, the first one was something that I just knew from beginning to end, just instinctively. I was like, all right, I remember this. I remember that. It, it, it wasn't one of those things where I went back. I was like, oh, I don't remember that happening. The rest of the movies, I had that. I had revelations like that, where it's just like, oh, I forgot that happened there. Or I forgot this happened there. Da, 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 this and that. But it's, it's just such enjoyable um action blockbuster type of movies you know and it is also one of the few franchises that started off as a pure espionage movie that really converted itself into a hybrid of espionage slash crazy action blockbuster and especially now with this recent iteration they went full-on action you know, in your face blockbuster and and not in a bad way, not in like the Michael Bay way, way where it's like nothing but explosions in your face and drone shots and here and there like that. Like these were a lot of things that happened that were very grounded in a certain aspect, but also had a lot of meaning to it. Like it, it usually led to something or it was an effect or cause of something that happened. Um, but but yeah, it's it's been one of those franchises where it's been awesome to see like the new characters get introduced who's coming back who's not um obviously there's a lot of speculations about certain characters that didn't return and like why didn't they return and this and that and we can get into that the more we talk about this movie but going into this movie and the first time i saw it um i didn't know that was the movie i was gonna see um, because the way the screening was set up, it was kind of like a mystery summer blockbuster movie that they wanted people to check out for the first time. When I found out it was Mission Impossible, I literally like lost my mind. I was like, holy shit. I'm like, I'm seeing this now? That's perfect. You know, I was afraid it was going to be like Transformers or something like that. And I was like, no, Mission Impossible. I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's get it. Um, and getting surprised in that way and just seeing the movie play out, I was like, wow, this is, it It felt familiar, but it also felt very different because like I said, this is one of the few, this is a, a transition where, and I think you and I had a conversation about this in the last episode where the action and the blockbuster action seems to be taking more precedence in a lot of these movies these days because you got to get the audience's attention going. You got to keep them like interested, invested and all that. If you going back to the other Mission Impossible movies, there was a lot of dialogue. There was a lot of planning, a lot of like the whole espionage aspects of it. So this is one of the ones where they kind of did a, a little switch where it's like full on action and the action sequences would last literally like 30 minutes and it would just be like one thing after another after another but building into something, right? 
or you know kind of climaxing the way it's supposed to and it was it's one of those things where it's like it's like a thrill ride where you're just like in your seat clutching you know the the armrest just like when is this going to end you know like what's going to happen like oh my god you know he's not going to get out of this da, 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 this and that and it, it was just so thrilling in that way um and it's interesting to see how the the franchise has progressed since the first one because if you compare the very first one to where where we, where we are now totally different it, it, tone wise and everything um but it also shows you the progression of the character of ethan hunt too where you know you have this older guy you know who's seen a lot done a lot but he could still like mix it up and he could still like really get into it and you see like how even though a lot of the main focus is on the partnerships that he's bonded with, you know, the friends that he's created and the team that he's kind of like, you know, had with him for a long time, how that still plays a very important part. You also start to see him doing things on his own where he's just like, you know what? A lot of these things that are involving people that I care about are now kind of like turning out to be negative and be in result in bad things. Maybe I just need to do this myself. The the closer you get to someone gets to you, the harder it is to keep them alive. Right. That's a great line um, from one of the movies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is one of the ones. Yeah, like this is loss. mm -hmm. It's it's like definitely one of the ones that you you kind of actually see it, and you see how it's affecting him because you know basically the whole movie starts off with like the haunt, the past haunting him and coming back. You know, and then he has to deal with. We we learn a lot about Ethan in this movie, um, more so oh, than yeah. we did before, and how he kind of joined the whole Animal IMF event. team, yeah. yeah, and all that. It's just like wow, it's like okay, we're actually learning all this stuff, and now he's kind of dealing with the repercussions of it all, and it, it's just, it was just such a fun ride, and seeing it for the second time now, fully finished and fully all that, it's still the same enjoyment I had from the first time around. Um, it's just a little bit more polished. And I liked how I got to see it this time around. And it made me appreciate a lot of the the action sequences a lot more just to see how it all you know turned out in the end. Um, story-wise, I do have a little, um, some gripes here and there. I, I do feel like the action parts did take over too much of the movie where the story kind of took a, a, a small backseat uh, where it didn't feel like a true Mission Impossible movie. Um, but I feel like when the second one comes out, maybe things will change. And that will yep. change my um, my feeling of this one. Once you see the bigger picture reveal, like once the whole thing ends out and concludes and all that. So so that's my, my initial thoughts and all that. Uh, what were your feelings and thoughts about the movie as you were watching it and, and, and all that? Well, in a two-parter, normally the first part is the one that has more plot and build-up. Or like, although there's the, that problem where a lot of superhero movies for years where the first hour and a half was like, how did they get this way? It's like set up, set and the up. Last yeah. half hour was mm-hmm. them trying out their new powers. It was like, yeah, I just wanted to see the powers. That's yeah, all. yeah, yeah. Um, this one didn't have that problem, and I think it'd be interesting if it flipped it. But I could kind of see more context maybe flashbacks to when he was younger i'm not sure about that but like i could see some more story in the next one i could also sing it be two hour mission underwater or something the way it <laughs> ends. Like, we're doing it yeah um the i 
I think on this one, the bad guy I actually found very compelling. I know some mm-hmm. people were like a little confused by it or questioning like how authentic it felt. Yeah. There's always something kind of silly about these movies and there's something kind of self-aware about them. They feel like the fast movies in a certain way to where it's just like action for action's sake, but there's something more clever about the mm-hmm. writing of them and how it's set up. And it's less like, um you know just a kid playing with cars and be like all right now you're gonna fly to the moon now you're gonna go underwater whatever there's a lot more it's more densely set up um and there's they're kind of funny but they're also taking themselves seriously at the same time i really like the bad guy i didn't love how the bad guy was personified with a couple of the villains but um that now the name is palm clementoff is that the Uh, name clementief i guess yeah yeah okay yeah yeah. amazing oh my I god mean, she was so good baddies in any hollywood villain history yeah. like right up there with with it uh, like i'm gonna remember that character the same way i remember jaws odd job yeah. etc like mm-hmm. classic legendary amazing every time we're on screen buddy and i was like high five like what is this happening um the and other actor yeah she's so she's yeah. so badass too because like we we've been so used to seeing her as mantis from guardians of the galaxy it's so nice to finally see her, you know, outside of that character and outside of the, the whole crazy prosthetic makeup and all that, and just seeing her be her. And she's such a badass in this movie. So good. You're enough of a Guardians fan. I wouldn't be. I, I'm not shocked that you knew about that. I did not know until I looked her up afterward that that was Mantis. I was like, yeah, because also this was a very the makeup and everything was very different than anything yeah. I've seen her in before. Um, but she's apparently a more diverse actually i kind of thought it was maybe somebody who's like good at martial arts and they hire mm-hmm. them to do a thing no she's pretty she can do the damn thing and dramatically trained and all that um the other actor the last name is morales but i didn't really love that bad guy as much i'm curious wh- I, I want more there yeah. um and i also am curious more on the backstory because it was interesting kind of out of the blue you just hear oh here's ethan hunts canon event and here's what happened and it kind of made sense and it didn't it wasn't very colored in mm-hmm. um it, it so there's some vagueness there that maybe part two will explain all that or maybe it won't i'm not really mad about that i would rather if this was a three hour and 20 minute movie and all they added was 40 more minutes of dialogue i wouldn't have loved this movie more mm-hmm. if they had just done more exp- exposition I really like the action scenes in this one more than I think any other Mission Impossible movie I've seen. There's a couple parts that are so ridiculous, they're hard to believe, but there's a lot of it that they, the benefit, just like the John Wick movies, the benefit of doing, actually doing the action scene is you don't have to have these unrealistic cuts and too much CGI and things are so unbelievable. And I think yeah. in general, Hollywood has a problem once they start doing CGI, they go, okay, but what if we made this guy super orange? What if we made the trains so green, but add purple? Or right. whatever. And it's like, okay, now it's just, I'm so out of the moment because it doesn't look like anything. A lot of these scenes look like, like that is exactly what that would look like. And the intensity of it is what it would be like mm-hmm. to be on that motorcycle and looking at Tom Cruise. And you're like, are you really going to do this? Which I'm sure some people were asking him on set. It's yeah. like, there's no way this guy's about to pull this off. Um, I love that about the practical effects, especially with Tom Cruise's career. And then this movie in general is about, there's technology and how we can't rely on it. And we instead need to actually do the damn thing ourselves, get mm-hmm. our hands dirty. And yeah. it's something cool and a little meta about that. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if somebody, you know, put that together with the Tom Cruise thing of it all. Like, what if instead of relying on, being, we're not allowed to rely on technology anymore. 
what would happen. And Tom Cruise would be the biggest movie star and him and Keanu Reeves would be the ones holding it down because they're the ones willing to do the damn work and not rely only on CGI. Yeah. Um, so overall, uh, I, I don't know if it's my favorite. It might be. I, I kind of want to, I'm planning on rewatching it soon and going back to the theater. It's a long one. So I need to find the right night or right. a rainy night or something like that. Definitely worth a theater viewing though. This oh, yeah. more than any of them. And they're all oh, yeah. movies. This yeah. one, incredible biggest sound system you can find biggest screen you can find yep and that's kind of how i'll think of this movie is it affected me more than the others i think i was more enthralled by it Mm -hmm. and they haven't there's rarely where you get this many movies in a franchise where there aren't more duds it's kind of like like fast what fast two or tokyo drift whatever like there's there's early dud and then they kind of course correct but then there's a few duds later on in the franchise yeah mission impossible so far it's some people say mi2 is a dud i rewatched i thought it was great but it was just weird compared to the other ones this like we've got six hits in a row now and yeah or or i guess six of seven if if you stay two is a dud like they're pretty damn good oh yeah even the ones that are too blockbustery or too silly or too absurd are still really entertaining blockbuster films and this one i think rises above that i honestly think it is a good movie I don't think it's going to get best picture uh, consideration the way that we're talking about maybe Maverick would have last year. Um, I don't think it's, it's going to be in those talks at all because it's even more genre. Yeah. But give it every visual effects, practical effects, sound design, all that kind of stuff. You could just Mm -hmm. hand them those Oscars and I'm not going to be mad about it today. You know, it's, it's funny because you you know, we've, they've been having this conversation about, should we start recognizing stunt people? at the Oscars and all that. Now, with a movie like this, I can actually see Tom Cruise getting nominated. And or, Keanu Reeves. And, for yeah, Ford. for like Maybe stunt you just have work. two superstars could doing you that. Imagine? And there's three guys no one's ever seen before that kind of look like Matt Damon or Right, whatever. yeah. Like, could you imagine? <laughs> like, that would be so phenomenal. Because, again, movies like this where... And, and, you know, the benefit of seeing what I saw back earlier this year is that you I really get to see how much of Tom Cruise really did a lot of the stuff yeah. and he really did a lot of the stuff which is at his age is blows my mind still but it's not only him too it's like what like I agree with you Palm Clementief great standout in this movie like huge standout my second one or the one I would consider to be the first standout for me was Haley Atwell Haley Atwell is oh my god pitpocket is so phenomenal like she is in, in the marvel universe pe- for what it's worth but i'm just trying to remember which character that is that's the new female lead right the new female lead yeah grace amazing yeah yeah amazing and again people who are familiar with the mcu know her as peggy carter she is the love interest of uh captain america you know if you saw doctor strange she was the british captain america that they killed off and all that um, so I, I've known her for a while and I always thought that she was a pretty good actress, but I never seen enough of her work. I didn't expect that she could be an action star like this. And, you know, the way I see how things are progressing, I wouldn't be surprised if if there were to ever be a passing of the torch. I could totally see her. Yeah, I could, especially the way the movie ended, too, because I I think at this point, I think we're safe to kind of go into spoilers at this point. We'll just go ahead and dive in. The way the movie ended was, you know, basically Ethan knew what he had to do, but he also knew that he had to do it solo. So he basically told her, find this guy, 
tell tell him tell him that you understand that he has something for you and that you accept. And basically, that's what she did. Now she's we are to assume that she's now part of the IMF kind of conglomerate team, whatever you want to call. And she may get integrated into that, and then she could possibly be now the next new agent who might be the one hunting down Ethan or whatever the case is, or who knows what's going to happen in the second one. We could speculate later on about that. But I could totally see how she can now be like the next focus moving forward because she is just so good. And she definitely showed her chops in this movie. Um, and and yeah, the, the one, the things that I really knew that stood out for me action wise is and a lot of people now are kind of um, there. There's kind of like a little backlash about the whole car chase scene that takes place in Rome because, like, oh, we already saw this. Like, Fast X just did something similar like this, you know. But I argue that you know, Mission Impossible they did it better. <laughs> you know, it was, and and seeing what I saw, you know, Tom and Haley were in the car, like maybe ninety percent of the time that this was all happening. They weren't driving, obviously, because they had a guy, a stunt driver behind them, which is so fascinating to see uh, where it's this guy behind them, kind of elevated so he could see everything. And there's like a cutout for where the camera's going to be and where he is. And obviously they kind of, you know, green screen all that later on and they kind of, you know, digitally erase it. But basically this dude is driving like recklessly and doing all these stunts while they're in the car acting it out as if they're the ones doing it. So this is all really happening like live as they're filming everything. And that was fast. And then the, 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 the train scene, the train sequence, you know, when they're trying to escape the, the falling train in the cut, I saw that's where the extra 10 minutes was. Cause that was actually much longer. Whoa. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was totally much longer. Yeah, it was more intensive. Like, yeah, more. yeah, that would be because that yeah. was honestly a bit panic attacky mm-hmm. of anything in it. And so intense, but it wasn't yeah. that long. I could have yeah. when it was over, I was like, OK, it's really over thinking yeah. maybe it could have gone longer. But at the same time, it felt like they were going to die for about however long that was. Eight yeah. Minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah. That was intense. Okay. I think that's one of I think that's the feedback the studio got about that because I think hearing people talk about it at the screening I went to, they were saying that there were certain action scenes that felt too long. And I think a lot of them were complaining that the train scene was a bit too long. Because literally already long as hell. I want to time it next time I go back, but when you go start from the motorcycle. Yeah to the train but if you include him chasing the train with the motorcycle yeah we might be at 45 minutes we might oh, be yeah. more like closer to an hour because that is a chunk of the movie and yeah. then there's action happening on the train and somebody gets you know has a negotiation on the train then mm-hmm. they cut back to the motorcycle or whatever you miss tom cruise for a little bit and then he yeah. pops in mm-hmm. but still if you include like if the train is that moment it's it's not like they do flashbacks or anything it's just that that train's going yeah maybe I'm going to say 45 minutes to an hour, if I had to guess. But it was I won't so be surprised. Too, I lost track of time. Yeah, I won't be surprised. So that right before they went, right before they started that whole sequence, that's when I ran to the bathroom because I knew that was coming. So I'm like, all right, I oh, have wow. to go because right. I know I don't want to miss this, right? Because this is going to be like the climax of the movie right here. Yeah. So I went during the scene where they were kind of 
uh, having the the plan, the discussion about the train. Like, this is what we're going to do, this and that. And Haley is like, what? You're going to do that and do what? And, you know, right before they got into the whole, you know, you see him now on the motorcycle going through the woods and everything. Like, that's when I took my break. Uh, but yeah, I won't be surprised if it was really that long. But I'm also pretty, I'm, I'm glad that they did cut out some of the, inside train sequences you know especially like i said when the train is like falling off because the bridge was blown up there was so much more of just seeing tom cruise and, and Haley atwell jumping from side to side climbing more and train all that. cars or was it just longer in each car? it's longer in each car much longer that makes sense yeah i was like how many levels because it felt like a video game like now you have to yeah. figure out how to get past the piano totally 100 percent. yeah you like that, that was like cool the, but it, yeah. i would have liked to see more cars but i'm not sure i could have handled it, it each one being longer and there's yeah. a couple moments i go like oh he jumped real fast like he just went yeah. boom boom kind of thing mm-hmm. but also what are we gonna do really <laughs> like really yeah it's gonna be fine like no that no one has no one wants to actually see that no it, 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 it gets the, the sports center highlights of the train sequence That's right right what we got right yeah, because it, it gets to the point where it's just like, all right, like this is like enough. Like this is too much happening to an individual or two people. Like it shouldn't be this way. Like the kitchen, the kitchen car was much longer in the original cut that I saw. Okay. And like like to the point where yeah. we saw the explosion, but there was a buildup to that explosion. Like and you're seeing them trying to figure out like, can we t- shut off the fire? No, we can't. And then they're like, yeah, it's all yeah, that stuff. All yeah. That. No, yeah. no. And then okay, because that was yeah. a favorite, but it was also one of the more daunting ones. Cause I'm like, your feet are covered in grease, hot yeah. grease. There's a fire and grease. Yeah. Like get out. And then they're yeah. jumping and running. And I'm like, wipe your shoes off at some point. Right, right. I, yeah. That greasy <laughs> shoes. No, I slipped yeah. immediately. Okay. But yeah. you don't need to get into the actual logistics of the whole no. thing. Like, what if we took this tray of ice and right, added it right. to a gun or whatever? Yeah. 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 Okay. It, was, it was a bit too much. And, and the the piano car was also a little oh, it's longer, too, as they're trying to figure out how to get out of that situation. Because leading up into the point where they figured out that the piano was about to collapse on them definitely took much longer than what we got here in the final cut. You know, so, you know, again, I'm glad they, they cut these things shorter because it it moved it. it The pacing was improved because of all that. Um, but the story beats were, were all the same. You know, I, I think what the what one thing that they did that I appreciated more was that they it was a little bit more clear in the beginning as to who this person that Ethan knew that got shot by the main villain that we later on see that pops up, right? Uh, S.I. Morales, who plays Gabriel, the, the main villain. Um, you know, I, at first I was confused. Like, is this lady the pickpocket person now? Or was it someone similar? Because they kind of look the same. So it was like a little confusing, but they definitely clarified it more so. Um, in this final cut, which I appreciated, because that was the one thing I was very confused about. And I remember, you know, they give you your survey and they ask you, what are some of the things you didn't like? I'm like, I don't know who the hell that lady was in the beginning. Like, is that someone I'm supposed to know? Is that Haley Atwell now? Is it, you know, a relative? Like, because they look the same. I'm like, I was confused. Um, so I definitely felt like they clarified that a whole bunch. Um, but uh, but to touch base on the villain it's himself, like, I feel like he's definitely he's going to be realized more so I think in the second one 
because I feel like there's still more yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. Cause I feel like we were missing some things here and he was very robotic too. Like, like he was, he was so busy following everything the AI was telling him and kind of like foreseeing him to do that. You didn't really feel like he had his own personality at all. He was just kind of like a vessel. Right. So I'm, I have a feeling we were probably going to get to see more of his truer self baby in the second one. I don't know. What blows my mind is, I don't know if you heard, but Nicholas Holt was originally cast yeah. in that role. Yeah. I could see, here's my theory. One, I literally was talking to someone and they were joking like Nicholas Holt could be Tom Cruise's kid. And if you look at him side by side, <laughs> there's some weird version where instead of it being the backstory of his tormentor, it's actually uh-huh. like, oh, they got your, a kid from a somebody or whatever. And they do some Indiana Jones kind of like retcon a kid in there. I don't think that would have been it. My gut, and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak crassly because it's just like the way that people talk about AI and computers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to further a stereotype, but if you want to look at like someone who says like they're on the spectrum or something like that, if you wanted to yeah. find someone who was more of like an automaton personality or more just logic based, and they are essentially like the human avatar of mm-hmm. the computer program. I could see a Nicholas Holt working really well or someone sure. who doesn't isn't showing big emotions, low emotions, high emotions, whatever. Yeah. So I, I could almost I'm just saying like I could see a writer's room where they're like, that's the kind of acting that we want to get for this role. I don't know if it really works if you don't explain why and maybe the right. second one will. Yeah. Or maybe there's not an explanation. And sometimes people with their their big bad guys go Philip Seymour Hoffman and full mm. intensity. And it's amazing. And other times they go more subdued. Like we we're talking about with um, Jonathan majors as uh crank Kang said, crank change. <laughs> um, and, and, and they go so subtle that it's actually really creepy. Also, yeah. it's almost like this was kind of going creepy. The person wasn't necessarily famous enough to be enthralling just by looking at him like Javier mm. Bardem or Rami Malek in some Bond villains. Yeah. Um, Christoph Waltz, for example. Um, but if they add some details, because the real question, there, there's a couple things. They figured out where the entity originates from, yeah. what went down, which I don't know if you want to get into, into all that and, and your thoughts on it or explain it at all. But essentially one of the big questions is, how did this person talk to AI? And who's recruiting it? Did he actually start it? Is it, you know, that's that's kind of one of the questions that I have that seems mm-hmm. explained during the movie with the scene with the CIA director, I'll say. Maybe that's not their actual title, but I'm honestly not sure mm-hmm. how, what is communicating with who and how who got recruited, especially those that little team of villains. Are yeah. they actually henchmen for the AI? That's kind of how it seems. So, but that's what you it, need a yeah. face for the bad guys if you're going to punch something. Right. That's what it felt like, too. Like, especially when they when they were in that kind of uh, party scene, the club scene where it was it was apparently like the AI that that created that event so that everyone can meet in whatever the case is. So it felt like everyone involved, especially the main dude, um, Gabriel, uh, he's he's just a minion of the AI. That's what it feels like. Um, is he being paid? Like, is the assumption that the AI would say, we know this guy, we know his weakness, we know we could wipe out his bank account or his family or something. And mm-hmm. if the AI is literally weaponized, it could reach out via email or sure. text. It could chat GPT yeah. a few texts and he goes, oh, I'd love to work for you. You're going to help me with my mission. Right. He's being played or lied to. He might, I'd actually, that'd be interesting to see that character have a turn where he's like, wait, 
this thing doesn't have my best interest at heart. Right. Part of the question is, if this thing's going to destroy the world, why are you on its team? Unless you just also want to be in a world that's destroyed, or you think you're going to wear the crown and the AI, like you're going to be the vice president you're, to you're president be like, AI. Like, what's the plan? You're going to be like this? King Conan on the throne, and then like AI is just controlling everything. And you're just like on the top of the mountain. Like, this is my world. Or to get back to my speech or my, my misspeak, he's Crane. He's the actual, right. like the body and the AI is just controlling him or something. Yeah. Like, no, what's, it's, what's, what's your next step of your plan, bro? Right. Yeah. I, I, I do feel like we're definitely going to get more explanation about that in the second one. Now, we did get a glimpse of how they communicate in this one. If you remember uh, on the train sequence, uh, when Palm Clementief kind of goes on there and like gets him out of this whatever luggage he's in he's like lying down in this thing and he has his big electronic mask on and you can hear like the electronic blurbs and all that it's like his face is like oh like like he's been in that's what that was yeah he's like in the virtual reality or something like that where the ai was like communicating with him or I something it was like a sleep mask or something to make it less tormented that he's been hiding in a suitcase in a trunk or whatever i mean that could be trunk. true too but I, I i do think that's where that's just was your assumption yeah because okay. that's what it felt like to me i don't know Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not impossible. I was also imagining like a Wizard of Oz possibility in the next one, mm-hmm. where essentially, like, I don't know that it, it would actually be, you know, Christoph Waltz is back there or something dancing sure. and like, oh, you found me. <laughs> like, but oh. you could see, like, imagine the AI and what face they use or something. I, I would love it if it was like Christopher Walken or something silly like that. But just like a floating head in the video yeah. screen talking. I imagine emails and texts, but. Sure, throw on an a AI-generated face on the thing. Why not? Um, but overall, if, if the bad guy is the entity, how, do, how would you rate it for your... I'm not saying rank all of them, but like, how does it rate for you? Like, did you... Were you in on it? Did, you, did it get you? As far as, like, as far as like villain is concerned in, in this franchise? Mission Impossible. Yeah, or in general. Like, how, did you like it as a villain? Um, TBD. I feel like right now it's TBD because like right now I do feel it was a little bit on the weaker side. Um, For me, hands down, the best villain in this whole franchise was Philip Seymour Hoffman because I felt like he was just he was just batshit nuts and very relentless and all that. And he didn't give a fuck like he was going to do what he's going to do and all that and get what he wants. Like this guy, like, again, I felt like he was just following orders. Right. And he was because automaton. He was just like this, like robot and all that. Now, again, whatever happens in the second one could change my mind about the whole thing. If he does something else, Um, honestly, um, the the character of Paris, that's that was the character name that Palm uh, Clementief was playing. She was a better villain than this guy because she was just doing all the dirty work and all that. And I love her maniacal kind of like laugh as she's like chasing them down in the streets of Rome and all that. I I just thought that was like really crazy. Um, But yeah, I I wouldn't say like this is one of my favorites for sure. Um, You know, but again, that could totally change when the next one comes out. I think part of the problem, Bond villains, they go very absurd. They look monstrous sometimes the mm-hmm. hen- the main henchman like a jaws is going to be like gigantic with braces and like yeah. but there's also something weird about that too where it's, it makes it in a way less realistic or like there's something kind of sad that every single one of them has some deformity or disability mm-hmm. or whatever um and then i mean literally all the way through and there's a few exceptions of those but often like it's it's where we get the dr evil stereotype um or archetype or whatever right for dr right. evil how absurd it is 
Mission Impossibles are sometimes too realistic to where it's just a guy who's acting like some other guy mm-hmm. and it's a guy they work with or whatever. Um, sometimes those are more compelling and more convincing, but less entertaining. I was, I was actually really into the AI one because part of it, my imagination was activated. And there are times I'd go, oh, this is possible. If someone yeah. thought, and if they're not aware of like where we're at with AI and where we might be in five years, 10 years, they might think it's absurd. It sound, it'll sound really dumb to like my mom or grandma. They're gonna be like, mm-hmm. well, that doesn't make any sense. How would a how would a text message set off a nuclear bomb? That's insane. Right. Where would the man on the other end be? But when, one of the scenes I where it got me when the CIA was retyping their digital files. Oh on the yeah, paper, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh right, everything is screwed. Yep. Where when Simon Pegg is in a Tesla, I go, bro, get out the Tesla. That's screwed like if if things are able to communicate to each other and this thing can transmit from one to another you could ruin everything and no one's pressing a damn button anywhere there's no bad guy and oh we just got to go get the guy who's making the computers that's one of the weird things about like the there's oh there's a camera system that can monitor every security camera in the world but you have to have eyeballs on all of those or the ai like going and you're like going through video after video Mm-hmm. But nowadays, you could just have the AI doing all of that. And that that the additional element, now we have to go more into practical effects. And Tom Cruise really has to go, well, can't use any of our normal systems, can't communicate with anyone. We've got five people in this room we trust. And one of them's new. And <laughs> guys, uh, I don't know, someone, and they're like drawing out the plan again, like right. the old days. Right. I thought that was really compelling. Um, yeah, not just because of how creepy the bad guy was, but what it, how they had to respond to it. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a more insidious bad guy than we've seen before. Whereas normally it's oh we get a gun and we shoot Philip Seymour Hoffman if he walks by, and the guy has to sleep in a bed somewhere and get sleep right. Like there is no there is no refuge against this one, and it really could destroy everything. Like that yeah. that is that's like one of those. Um, a, do, a, a doomsday person is going to be worried about that with where we're at in AI. And there's conversations about that since chat GPT has taken off sure. on a, on a higher note of like, should we mm-hmm. be more careful and worried about that? This is kind of what that might actually look like in yeah. reality. Which is brilliant too, because obviously the script was done way before all this stuff started like coming into fruition. Right. So yeah. it, you, you could kind of see that this is exactly where things we're leading to and people are aware of that and this is like an example of like well this could possibly happen if we aren't careful and all that and i i do agree with you it 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 does add a certain level of intrigue and difference in this movie because in in essence it's a it's a faceless villain it's like it's something that is just there that has the possibility to do so many things but we can't predict it. We we don't know when it's going to happen. And we can't trust anything because we are so reliant now on everything that it can touch. So I do like the fact that, yeah, they, they had to explain that, oh, we have to go now analog, you know, and then you had like Kittredge and, and all that. By the way, how awesome was it to see Kittredge come back from the first movie and just seeing Amazing. him and Ethan face to face again? And you could see there's still Amazing. bad blood there and all that. So good. So, so good. But yeah, how he had to like build a new kind of surveillance system out of just old school technology and all that. Like, I thought that was so smart and so brilliant. Um, so yeah, you're right. I, I do appreciate it for, for a lot of those things. Um, and I'm sure again, I, and I keep saying this, 
when we get into the second one, I'm sure a lot more stuff is going to be realized and, and more come into fruition. Who knows? Maybe there is like an ultimate mastermind above it all. Because you're right. How did this guy get in contact with the AI? Unless it's the AI who truly just reached out to him and all that. Or is there like another person that's kind of behind it all um, that kind of like started things going? Well, you, you've seen it twice now. And honestly, I yeah. remember spending most of the movie wondering where it came from. Did not Carrie Elwes, uh, Ewell's character, the who's the head of CIA intelligence something, some mm-hmm. American intelligence group, didn't he say that they started it and then it and then it started thinking for itself essentially and they were surprised and then it, it went rogue something yeah. like that or did they not start it and they were just aware of it? I honestly can't remember. I, I think it's something that if I, I again if I remember correctly, it's something that they were aware of that they let go for a long time and then it became sentient. You know, so that's why Kittredge is like all about, well, we need to get it so we could weaponize it for ourselves, you know, before the other person does. Um, but it was one of those things where it's like, it was something that they've been aware of for a long time, but they kind of just let it go until now it's gotten to the point where it's like, oh, now it's trouble. Um, that was another scene, actually. I'm glad you pointed that out. That was a scene that was much longer in the original cut, too. We got to see more interactions between the other members in that room, especially the... And I forget the lady's name. She was in Game of Thrones and in Obi-Wan. Um, Indira Verma. Um, very well-known actress. And very, very small bit part. But in the original cut, she had more stuff to say in that conference room. So I was a little bit disappointed about that, but I, I think it's also one of those things where you got to get this, you got to keep it moving, right? In, in order to, to not lose people. Um, so yeah, so that was my understanding about the whole thing. Um, so yeah, so again, very fascinating and intriguing stuff. I, I do like the concept behind it all. Uh, again, we'll see what happens in part two. Um, but one thing we, we definitely have to bring up and I'm sure to a lot of fans of the franchise, to their disappointment, is Rebecca Ferguson, Ilsa Faust, and her uh, unfortunate passing in this movie. Um, I know the first time I saw it, it, it hit me hard. I was like, no, they're not doing that. And then here, they did it. it and then seeing it for the second time, again, it still hit me the same way. I think it's safe to say that when she came into the whole franchise, I believe it was two movies ago, or three movies ago, she's become like a huge fan favorite. And I've been seeing a lot of like comments online leading to the release of this movie. It's like, they better not kill Rebecca Ferguson. They better not. And I'm, I'm like sitting there. I'm just like, oh, man, <laughs> you just wait. But I don't know. How, how did that affect you? Because I love her character so much. Uh, before we go on, just real quick, yeah. FYI. Dinlinger in the movie explains to Gabriel that the U.S. government stole the AI and uploaded the prototype in a trial to sabotage the Sevastopol. So right, they okay. stole it, but we don't know who actually created it or who's behind gotcha. it. Gotcha. So okay. That's more, yeah. I also like that you can't trust any government. Everyone might be getting misinformation. Yeah. And there's times where the IMF team is hacking someone else's security cam, but then it turns out their equipment is being hacked by the AI. And so it's like, right. oh, you can't trust anyone except the people you actually trusted before right. today. Right. That was, that was, that was an impressive aspect of it as well. Yeah. Um, that scene honestly didn't really bother me. I, I think basically everyone is expendable in this franchise. 
I wouldn't be surprised if even at some point somebody like if, if being Rames died in the next one, because one, I'm not saying I want him to, I think he's amazing for the franchise, but if at some point he says, pay me more, they say no, or he says, Hey, I'm tired. Thank you for the money. Pay me out. And I'd like to make mm-hmm. my way out. This franchise has been really good at letting you know that people die. If they don't, then what's the point of, of any of these missions at all? Mm-hmm. I, I, like when they do that in the movies am i do i did i want it to be this character more than another one if we're going to play a game of survivor i'm not sure if i vote for her but at the end of the day i go into any movie knowing that basically anyone except ethan hunt is on the chopping block sure. every time at this point i don't know if you get rid of simon Pegg. He, he's every, like, <laughs> favorite and the audience surrogate yeah at this and and they had that role in early that was a fun thing rewatching him the simon Pegg character that role was there in earlier movies, but it wasn't the same guy, right? right it wasn't right. the same character even. Yeah. But then they get Simon Pegg and he's in every one after that because he's a st- scene stealer. Um, and he's kind of just counterbalances Tom Cruise's character. So mm-hmm. there's no real, you know, competition, you know, Dwayne yeah. Ro- the Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel problem or whatever. Weird right. energy. It's a perfect compliment. I think that's he and Ethan Hunter, the only characters I would be actually bothered if they killed off. Am I saying I'm, I wanted her to die? No, not at all. That, but it makes the movie more affecting. And the sure. fact that it was affecting kind of makes you think like you don't want her to die. And that's part of what makes it work. But that makes it a more impactful and in my mind, more successful film and more mm-hmm. successful franchise overall because of scenes like that. Yeah. No, I, I, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, I, I think it's just it, it shows you the testament of how strong of a character she was when you have people kind of affected that way or or like kind of saying like they better not kill her off you know because again she has become such a huge favorite and i think it also goes to the whole thing about at the end of the day ethan has always wanted to be or at least have somewhat of a normalcy to his life right we saw that and 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 again it's great watching all of these movies recently seeing how he really tried to formulate a life for himself outside of the agency you know, he tried to get married and then that didn't work out, you know, and then he tried to still do, you know, now he had to like protect his ex-wife because now she is a target. It's kind of like the whole Spider-Man situation where it's like, be careful when your identity goes out there because now everyone you love is going to be a target. And, you know, Ethan was kind of like a victim to that. Now, when you introduced Elsa, she is another kind of, agency person right you know from a different agency does the same stuff that he does so in a way they're kind of on the same playing field and they had they know and understand their risks more so i could see that being very much more of a uh, a romantic relationship possibility for ethan because it's like well i know you you understand what the life i live and i understand the life you live and we could kind of understand that and we could kind of work with that and you see it too where it's like there's a scene here in this movie where they're all plotting and trying to figure out the whole um, uh, situation with uh, getting the key and all that. And they're in Venice, right? And, you know, Ethan's on the balcony and she's there. And she's like, you know, this is the first time I've been in Venice. And he's like, me too. And they have this like this really sweet moment together where it's like, oh, it's a, it's a small sense of normalcy for, for them before they start doing what they have to do and all that. And we see them on the boat in the canal leading to the party. They're holding hands. They're looking at each other all lovingly. 
you know, not realizing that that's probably going to be the last, like, intimate moment they're going to be able to share together uh, until her untimely death. But she went out with, like, a champ, though. She went out fighting, you know, which is the way you expect her to. Um, but I also do love the whole, well, you have to make a choice. You save her, then this is going to happen. You save her, and then this is going to happen. So what's it going to be, dude? <laughs> and you're going to be like, what the fuck? You're going to make me go through all this? Um, so that was a very clever moment that they they kind of formulated there. But um, Ving Rhames, now, if you remember, he had to leave. He's like, oh, the stuff I got to do, I got to be right. on my own, right? Because right. or else the AI is going to track me and all that. So is something going to happen to him off screen that we don't know about or whatever? That could be a nice little way to kind of segue himself out of the, the movie if he doesn't come back in the second one. Or at the very least, he just said, hey, y'all, I'm, I'm for, I don't know. I'm not trying to even say anything out loud. But like, yeah, there could be something going on in his life where he's like, I don't want to do the yeah. running around this sure. time, please. Mm-hmm. Or they wanted that. I don't know. And he's a legacy character at this point mm-hmm. how many people have been there the whole time yeah um, i don't know but like and i'm not even saying that if you skipped movies like like sure. Kittredge, right yeah it's him and tom it's it's him and Tom. Listen? ever since the, the yeah. first one yeah i'm going through that in my head that's it yeah. i think you don't kill him off unless it's like a final movie and it's really like even then i honestly don't know that you do if he's dying in real life or there's something else going on or if that's what the actor wants, you could do right by him that way. Yeah. But I don't think you in any way willy-nilly get rid of that guy. I, you could even do the thing like they did with um, Paul Walker in the Fast franchise where you go, <laughs> he's going to go off, he's going right. to go on a permanent vacation, right. and, but, and you get a postcard every year and you go, oh, look, he's still doing great, everyone. Right. He's alive. He's in the movie. He gets a little cut. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm, I have no problem with them hiding him out for a whole movie if that's what's best. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what what being Rames wants or any contract negotiation, anything like that. I have no idea, but I think those are the two characters you don't kill off. And in my mind, Simon Pegg, as a as a nerd, sure. all the nerds who love it, they, yeah. it kind of gives it some extra legitimacy. Like mm-hmm. this actual creator, artful screenwriter nerd guy getting in on the franchise helped it not just be some schlocky summer blockbuster crap. Yeah. In my mind, I think everyone else is can be can be uh expended yeah um yeah yeah um quickly uh vanessa kirby as uh what's her name the white what do they call her the, the white, white widow the white widow yeah. yeah who is the daughter of vanessa redgrave's character from the first movie Brilliant. um I love her character too. Her character is so intriguing. I do. I hope we see more of her in the second one too, because I feel like that's not done yet. Obviously, she wasn't able to broker the deal like she was supposed to. So I'm sure there's going to be high stakes for her and uh, still some sort of involvement there. I, I don't think she'll turn good. I don't want her to, at least. I, I feel like there's still that intrigue of her still being a, a, a kind of a baddie in a way. But I do love the chemistry that she has with with uh, Tom Cruise and Ethan Hunt there. Um, I, I, I love that. Um, for the second movie, who would you like to see come back from the previous movies? Because obviously there's a positive. This movie made so much references to movies in the past. This one is more so the first movie. You know, again, we got Kittredge back. 
we got the whole sleight of hand thing that Tom did a lot of in the first one, you know, with the disc and all that. Like we saw a lot of that here again in this movie. Um, references here and there to other things. Like, what character would you love to see mentioned or come back, if possible, in the next one? I actually had the thought, and it's something because I was reading about it when I saw in my one again is Emilio Estevez's character of like. Afterward, Tom Cruise <laughs> apparently said that was one of the biggest mistakes because he wished he could bring Emilio Estevez sure. and that character back. They're buddies, and also it's a great yeah. actor. Mm-hmm. And that was, in a way, he's the Simon Pegg guy. And yeah, I think, he was the original, the original yeah. Simon Pegg guy. Yeah, and they didn't replace Simon Pegg for they didn't get a good replacement for a couple movies. I was watching the second one. I was like, mm, this guy doesn't have it. No, I. And then at some point, Emilio Estevez is saying it's possible because of the masks and everything. Well, there's no way in hell that that's something you could do in retcon. If they do flashbacks to younger and they can do the de-aging or what they did in Indiana Jones with the AI, I actually wouldn't be mad about flashbacks to younger versions of them. And they're like buddies, buddies before. And it's showing them like having a beer talking or something. Like when they first started. Especially if it's difficult to do the CGI with action where it doesn't look very realistic, right? Yeah. but uh or sorry cgi ai or de-aging or however they make it look young again but that would be a good one and there's a lot of footage of emilio estevez that could be possible Mm -hmm. if we're talking about in current day i the part of the problem these there's so many movies and i had seen them over the years and i watched them back to back i don't really know who's alive and who's dead let's (laughs) pretend everyone's alive sure give me lawrence fishburne any day of the week oh yeah yeah always always down for a good lawrence fishburne he was only in that one movie right and that was it that's all, yeah, off of memory. That's, yeah, that's it. Um, so far, oh, I'm sorry. There are a couple people who've been in every single movie, and you're gonna hate me for this. I'm so sorry. Um, the <laughs> Bob Johnson was the voice on tape in every single. Oh my god! Wait, actually, hold on. No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's wrong. That's that's the yeah. TV that's show. that's yeah, wrong. I'm yeah, so I was gonna say ah, yeah. This is what I get for doing research in real time. <laughs> I'm trying to look at a list of characters, and this is somehow I land on the TV shows. My bad. I, I how well, how about how about um yeah. so Angela Bassett? Angela Bassett was like one of like the yes. main. Uh, CIA people and all that and obviously we know she's still around because she didn't die off or anything like that I would love to see her come back you know maybe especially with the whole deal with Carrie Elwes like kind of being like a a backstabber and and kind of like a two-timer and now he's dead so I could totally see her come back to try to clean up that mess right whatever and all that Um, we never saw Henry Cavill actually dead like body wise dead so could he have survived that crazy helicopter crash i rewatched that movie and at the end i go oh they made it clear this man will never act next to tom cruise ever again. <laughs> okay i don't know what happened there but this dude's super dead you'd it'd have to be one of those weird ones where they retcon it and they show the camera from the other angle and it turns out he but he jumped out or something <laughs> right he jumps out at an angle because even at the angle i saw like Unless I'm missing something, he couldn't have even been in like a scuba mask and jump in the water, or mm-hmm. it's just like straight down rock blow up. No one would survive a height like that unless he had an airbag suit, which is sure. how you see people retcon stuff like that. Some right, right, right. Um, so no, I'm gonna go ahead and just say I would dislike <laughs> it if they made it. And that's the other problem is if you were to, in theory, do the Emilio Estevez was in a mask kind of thing, 
is then the stakes are no longer high in these movies. Everyone can come back. And that's a problem with fast movies and game of Thrones. At some point I had that issue. I was like, Oh, people can come back from the dead. Then none of the deaths will ever matter again. And none Mm -hmm. of the ones in the past kind of thing. Um, So I actually don't want them to bring back a couple of those people who are in theory, super dead. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alec Baldwin's another one of those. We watch him bleed out and we have a little, he's done. Yeah. He's done. Yeah. Jeremy Renner? I don't honestly don't remember how that that is. That's that's another one. And that's like I think that was a big question a lot of people had. It's like where has he been? Like how come he hasn't come back? Now, I know for one of the movies, whether it was the last one or this one, there was like scheduling conflicts I think he had, right? Now he he's in Marvel he's, world for a lot of this. Right, yeah. exactly. I I think there was a time they were going to make him replace tom cruise as like the main character Where was but... that born i was trying to think through because he was he did try that with born for one movie if i recall he Jeremy did Renner. yeah so I, mm-hmm. I, I honestly can't remember if they if i confuse that or if he was going to somehow become jason born and then do a crossover with mission impossible and <laughs> i think I, they were I trying it i think they were trying it with both 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 series but it just didn't work out um and i and At i think tom show right. i also think there's some news with jeremy renner's personal life and so i'm if any of this is like uh, blasphemous to what he's been going through. I honestly do, do not know about that. Well, right now uh, he's recovering because he had a very bad accident with like, uh, I believe it was like a snowplow during last winter where... Snowmobile? Like a snow, snow like something like that. Yeah, where he got really mangled uh, and he's recovering. I hear he's doing well. He's, he's recovering well. So he could easily come back to acting anytime soon. Um, but I think, okay, cool. I, yeah, That's I think with with Tom, I think he didn't want to relinquish the lead role in Mission Impossible because he's invested so sure. much in it. So I totally get that. But I could see Jeremy come back as like, you know, because he was like working more in the offices at the last time. We that saw would him. be actually a beautiful comeback, kind of like Val Kilmer in Top Gun. Not yeah. The same thing, yeah, 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 yeah. Give me an emotional like we counted this guy out in real life and in yep. a franchise kind of thing. Um, that could be even just a small something. Have yep. him walk back and he even like my last article I'm seeing, he was using a cane. Have mm-hmm. him walk in as he is and be like, we're so glad you're back on the team. Something yeah. um, a, a post credit scene in MIA. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other one I'm going to throw out um, actually to Maggie Q is gone. I don't remember how her character ended. No, so I'm actually glad you bring you bring her up because her and, and uh, was it Reese Davies? What was the other guy that was in the third oh, one? Jonathan Reese Myers. Reese Myers, yeah. Them two were just in that one movie. They're fine. Everyone's fine. You know, the movie okay. just kind of ended with them kind of laughing and you know doing that typical Hollywood ending where oh we're all having a good time. Um, Maggie Q is, I think, one of the mistakes that they never brought back because she is like a bona fide action star. I think it was that role that led her to do that TV show, uh, Nikita, that she did for several seasons. And I, I love her as an actress, and I know she's very capable. I love her even more so than Paula Patton, to be honest with you, who is another one that hasn't come back. Uh, but Paula Patton had her moment during that time when that Mission Impossible came out, and then she kind of like, at least for me, faded away somehow. I don't know what she's doing nowadays. But uh, those are the two that never came back who are still around, so to speak. 
So that's an option in some way. And I, my understanding is that both those actors might could use that part. I don't know mm-hmm. where they're at in career or relations with the studio or whatever, but yeah. I wouldn't be mad about, even if, especially if it was a, a, there's a version where somebody's saying Ethan Hunt could die and you have a new person take over kind of thing, especially if it's that bring back Jeremy Renner, bring back Maggie Q, bring back Jonathan Reese Myers, have flashbacks to Emilio Estevez, Alec Baldwin, whatever, do your mm-hmm. whole Star Wars, do like, like Emilio Estevez is a force ghost. <laughs> in MI8, just following him around being like no you should turn left at the bridge talking to uh simon Pegg, like, like, like no exactly. don't do it that the way AI do it this way animates recreates actually hear me out i think your singularity i think yeah, i like where you're going with this it Go is ahead. actually emilio estevez oh they yes uploaded emilio estevez's consciousness into the ai brilliant brilliant tell me that's dumb tell me brilliant it's not it's brilliant i love it i love it because again (laughs) the way he died too what was it he got electrocuted in the eye sockets like something from the elevator right elevator shaft metal into the eyes and it was it was had electricity because it was yeah so what if his soul and essence went into the electronic mainframe the machine machine. that's how souls work right sure if you yeah with the knife now the knife has your soul everyone knows that that's it man that's how you do it that's not what i'm talking about dumb as hell but what i said was cool and what you said was even more badass but just (laughs) if they did that then that would be the fast 11 if this was a fast and furious movie that's how they would have explained it his brain is in the metal yeah it's all about metal. It's well, all about me. And before he died, he uploaded his consciousness. Obviously, ah, see, yeah. Be- before that was well known, yeah, he totally did that. Thumb drive here and there. That's that's why Ving Rhames had to go off site to recover it, and then got to bring back Emilio. We got to bring back Emilio. This is for Emilio. Yeah, exactly. And then now I would love to first... yell that when he's Emilio. This is for you. Emilio! Exactly. That's the only thing that would make his <laughs> oh franchise better. That's hilarious. His hilarious, absurd references to that. Character. Oh, man. That would be, yeah. That would be the epitome of the Instead franchise. Of like Geronimo yells, exactly. Emilio. Emilio! Exactly. Yep. Um, <laughs> um, Shane Wiggum's character is the only one I'll say, which he will be because he's oh, in this oh, movie yeah. the end. Yeah. Him, him as the American agent. And then his buddy, too. Who had kind of the conscience of the two of them? And yeah, Shay Wiggum was the yeah we follow orders, and they were asking these questions, which in a way their audience surrogate as well, mm-hmm. asking questions like, okay, but what if we can't trust our government, or what if we trust our government but not their sources because their right. source could be the bad guy, etc. And at some point they're they're literally having a little debate. It was cute. His little two buddies being like, well, what do you do then? You don't follow right. the orders. And he's like, if it's the world versus whatever like i'm choosing everybody right if it's everybody's dead or everyone alive i'm choosing everyone alive what are you talking about right um so i would love to see those two be a little rosencrantz and guildenstern just with their little um philosophical musings running mm-hmm. around the movie but any movie is always better with shea wiggum somehow he's never been the front guy on a movie poster yeah he's just had big roles and small roles but i need to see him in everything Every time he shows up with a gun, especially, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. fuck, yeah, we're in good hands. Oh, um, hell yeah. 
Oh yeah. That I would I wouldn't be mad if that character became a recurring thing, or maybe I don't want him to join the IMF team because he plays kind of a dummy. But if he was just a brute force guy, or yeah. somehow you had to get rid of Luther and he became a some I don't know like a a, a weapons expert or explosions guy or something. I don't yeah. Know. Which yeah. Which if you think about it, the team doesn't really have. You know, you have Ethan Hunt, who's like the the Swiss Army knife. Like he does everything right, and then you have. Simon Pegg, who's kind of like the, the, the kind of like the not strategist, but he's like he figures out how everything works technology wise. And then you have Luther, who's the code guy. He's the one that kind of deciphers things and programs things and all that. And, and now you have well, Haley is going to be probably more on the IMF team now, like because uh, she's with Kittrich and all that. So you kind of kind of need like kind of like that brute force guy, which the team has been kind of missing, which they don't really have. Um, so that'll be really, really interesting to see there for sure. Um, but I also love the the conversation that Shea Wiggum's had with his buddy there about Ethan Hunt, you know, because it was the guy who brought up Ethan Hunt. It's like, cause they're like, we always have to chase this guy down and all this. And it's like, but what if he's doing things the right way? You know, like what if he's doing it for the, for the greater and good and all framed. that? Right. right. Yeah. And of course, Shay's like, wow, you're talking crazy. <laughs> He's like, I hate that guy. <laughs> um, so as, as we, we kind of close out the discussion of this, obviously the second one's going to be coming out. Hopefully, I, I believe it's next year or in two years from now. I don't know. I mean, I think it's next year. I'm not sure, though, because yeah. they're currently filming it off. Right. Or at least with the last thing I checked on. So, yeah. So... Uh, at least we, it'll be nice that we don't have to wait another five years like we've been waiting for in between a lot of these movies in the franchise. Um, 2024. Uh, that might be premature, though, is my guess. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets pushed to Thanksgiving or something. Right. Just Especially with everything's with, going and then yeah. acting. Yeah, the strike. The strikes and all that. Yeah. Um, so definitely looking forward to the second one and all that for sure. Um, what? Any final thoughts on this? How does... Actually... How would you rank? I know it's, it might be premature, but how would you rank this among all the Mission Impossible movies? There's so many different ways to look at these. Which one did you have the most fun at? Which is your favorite right. one? Which one's the best? Which one's the most influential? Which would be MI1 in mm-hmm. its own way? And then another way, MI4, because that's kind of what I'm going. It was a nice thing to do is the retrospective going back through them. MI1 is its own Brian De Palma movie. MI2 yeah. is this John Woo bastardization of, of what the franchise would <laughs> almost killed is, the franchise mi3 is more in line with mi1 yeah and 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 also a transition but starting at mi4 it's really this what we're doing now the tone yeah. the giant i'm gonna jump off of waterfall into a helicopter it's gonna do a backflip and then i have to land and while i'm doing that i'm gonna decode a computer or whatever right mm-hmm. like that stuff where it's big stunts and um of those it's my favorite and rewatching them. I remember having my mind blown in the previous one when he's on the airplane. Mm-hmm. That felt small after seeing this one because I actually didn't finish my marathon until the last two were after this movie. Okay. That movie, I was like, oh, this felt like the like most intense action movie ever. Mm-hmm. Not after seeing this one. And then maybe because it was on a small screen too. I don't know. Yeah. But um, that helped in, in that regard. I, I would probably say MI1 is technically my favorite Mm-hmm. I've seen it so many times and it holds up more as like a whole movie, not just the action yeah. and relying on the crazy effect, um, not effects, but like stunts. 
So, but I, I think this might be the most intense and funnest one. So if I want a roller coaster ride, I'll, I'll watch MI7. And if I want to have like a nice cinema, cinema experience of like a whole cohesive movie, I might watch MI1 again. I was, I was really surprised going back through it, how clever the writing is yeah. in MI1 and all throughout the franchise. And I actually had a little debate with a friend who they're trying to do the, oh, those movies are dumb, but they're entertaining. I was like, they're not actually dumb. My little, my case in point was to write the train sequence. You have to write how we got there and how you got where it's going. And there's all these moving parts on the train and on top of the train. And the world's best chess player is going to have a really hard time figuring out how you get Ethan Hunt from here to here to here to here to here. Right. And then to do it convincingly and when the stakes are that high and with the action being so amazing, because, yeah, of course, he could have boarded the train. But no, something had to go wrong because the AI messed up their plan. Now they've got to improvise. And that's what made it so intense and exciting. Mm -hmm. And then someone else is saying, like, how ridiculous those movies are. And I, I do hold them in a category above a whole class above the fast 10 movies or any of that. Oh, real for sure. Like the plane or geostorm or just like the real dumb summer blockbusters which i've I've loved for those two yeah but these to me rise above that nonetheless just the action scene um same same friend is talking about like oh it's 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 so stupid it's not believable and i'm like if you can suspend your disbelief imagine you're on a hike in the mountains you're just walking everything's peaceful and then you hear a motorcycle engine from far away oh someone else is out here and then you see a man go Full speedy, full speed <laughs> motorcycle towards the cliff that you had just been looking over and like, look at a beautiful, oh, there's a train coming. How lovely. You took yeah. a few pictures. It's so high up. You could see for miles and miles. And you see that same guy go over that cliff full speed and jump. That'd be the craziest thing you saw that day. Oh, yeah. Or I'm sorry. That would be the craziest thing you saw of your life until then. But not the craziest thing of that day because then you would watch that man open a parachute and land on a moving train. And then that would be the craziest day of your life. And for the rest of your life, your eyes would be wider and your face would be glowing. And people would go like, hey, what happened? Did You just got back from vacation. Like, no, I saw something I have to tell you about. Mm -hmm. You'll never believe it. Yeah. And I saw that on Tuesday, Renee. Yeah. That was my Tuesday. And yeah. I might go see the movie again tonight. And that's going to be my Friday. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Life doesn't get much better than that. Like, <laughs> that is amazing. That's the level of spectacle would shake anyone to their core. Yeah. And yet that's just like a day in the life of Ethan Hunt. Hell yeah, give it to me. Yeah. And and again, to to also piggy off of that, like these movies are not dumb. They are smart. Like it, especially yeah. like when you break it down like story wise too. Like in like in the yep. don't get me wrong, the second one is dumb. I would say like the second movie is pretty dumb. Like there's 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 no redeeming quality in that movie, to be honest with you. There's a few things where he's like the philosophical choice that and actually sorry, maybe I'm confused. Second one is Philip Seymour Hoffman or third one? No, third one. That's the third one. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Never mind. Yeah, second one is dumb. Yeah, second one. I was, gonna, is I was remembering something from that and I got it I got it all yeah. uh, my wires crossed. Um but I like where you're going with this because I actually didn't mean to just say the action set pieces. The way they set the plot up. Yeah. And those things the those are chess moves as well, mm -hmm. but pl please feel free to go off. Yeah, no, like like just the way they formulate the story, the way that it kind of progresses from beginning to end. Like I, I, I've always been a huge fan of movies where it, it's kind of like the heist scenario 
where you see them planning everything out, you know, they play it out in their head and all that. And then you actually join them in actually doing it. Right. And you see how it plays out and it doesn't always work out a hundred percent or whatever. Like I love seeing those things. That makes it cooler. Yeah. Also just writing out the plan. Like how many times has someone been like, Oh, what's our get rich quick idea. Right. Or Mm -hmm. like, how would you do this thing? And then everyone has an idea and they're all kind of stupid. These people are experts at what they do. And they're essentially doing a heist. We have to get the USB drive from this guy. But in order to yeah. put the problem is that guy's going to be in this town. He's going to be surrounded by this environment. Mm-hmm. And a couple of the early movies are like, it's impenetrable. And they go, yeah. well, that's what we're here for. And I, maybe it was this movie or maybe it was the last one of the last ones. But at some point they go, but that's impossible. They go, perfect. Perfect. Like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like that's what we bit. do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then you have to write it to where there's improvisation happening in real time because something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. that's always makes it more fun but just to write that plot out regardless of any of the action pieces and saying okay it's it's like an agatha christie novel at some point or like mm-hmm. a whodunit murder mystery that's well written because you have to get the people in the room and this thing this and and then they're kind of retroactively explaining the thing but it i don't even know my brain doesn't work that way yeah. so i my mind is often blown <clears> by <throat> those and if you are a huge fan of murder mysteries, whodunits, whatever, spy thrillers, but to my mind, these are these are so complex. And then there's times someone actually was someone else. They're pretending to be someone else. Um, they got bad information. So even the audience and the characters are working with bad information the whole yep. time. I love that, that aspect of, of this franchise. That's what makes it a smarter franchise for sure. Yeah. And, and I also love the fact that as an audience... <clears throat> they made a lot of the elements in it so believable that we kind of just accepted for what it is. Because if it was any other franchise and we saw the whole mask thing, like we would have been like, all right, come on, really? But with each movie, they help further explain like how that actually works. And if you go back and watch the other movies, they show it more and more. Like they show the device that makes it. They show how they implement it. They show like the voice, how it changes and all that and how they have to make it work. So it made it to the point where like, oh, okay, now I kind of just, I accept the fact that that is something that's real within this realm of reality that we're in. Um, because again, like, yeah, if it was like a Fast and Furious kind of thing, we're like, oh, come on, this is horseshit. Like, there's no way this is believable and all that. Um, but then, yeah, but then you add the action elements to it. And I think also the the whole intrigue with these movies is just knowing, all right, what did Tom Cruise do to himself in this movie that was real? You know, and I think it really started with the second one, even though I don't like that movie. Um, the whole knife fight scene where they had to put a real knife on suspended wires that will only stop at a certain level above his eye. And they had to film it that way. I'm just like, what are you freaking nuts? Why would you want to do that? You know, but to get that believability in there, I'm just like, wow, you're going to go that far for your craft. I mean, that's and then now we see it like now we expect it with everything that he does after that. You know, it's just like, okay, what crazy thing is he going to do this time? You know, so. Right. And to my point about him jumping off the motorcycle, then you see him laying on the train and the train's gone. And that's the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life. That's not the craziest thing that happened to him that day. No. Oh, no. He had to. The, a bridge blows up. He's jumping up cars that are falling. 
for so long yeah and then the action starts like what is happening then he starts engaging with the bad guys my god he's going on the moving train which is another shout out to the first one they're doing the little the knife thing while the train is the train's going through a tunnel incredible Mm -hmm. incredible um i that's why i i love these movies i'm curious if we were to maybe maybe it's a future episode but we rank blockbuster franchises mm-hmm. i'm wondering how this would rank and i'm not we do we can't even go through there's such a long no, list there's so many there, but like yeah the jurassic parks and the james bonds and the marvels and everything else how would this rank in those and sure. honestly it's pretty high for me it's going to be higher than a lot of the ones that maybe have made more money or maybe in some ways more popular mm-hmm. um, i do have a bit of confirmation bias happening now but it's rare that i've seen every single one just kind of incidentally especially yeah. during the parts of my life where I didn't enjoy blockbusters and have enjoyed them. And it has such a nice place in my heart. So, um, and there, and there are so few one out of seven being your flop ratio. That's incredible. <clears throat> yeah. And, and that's how I would judge it too, because like you said, with seven now in the, in the franchise and me and one maybe being the dud, you know, that right. is an amazing track record for that, you know, and it seems right. to get Jurassic Park would kill for that track record. When they oh, my God. One hit, totally. maybe two, yeah. maybe three. And I don't mean just box office. I mean, acclaim and, and box office. Right. And all yeah. That. But they've been in Flop City for a couple movies now. And there was a couple flops after the first one. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That's a terrible batting average, but it's still made. What are we at? Six movies now in Jurassic Park. I think something so. Like yeah, that. something like that. Anyway, yeah. that that and that's a beloved franchise. Still, nothing. Yeah, like you, you're talking about movie Jurassic Park's untouchable. It hasn't really sullied it, but damn, one out of six maybe, and this one's at six out of seven. That's wild. You know, it's crazy. That, that it, yeah, it, it's it's nuts. And and I know I didn't say it, but I I think I I also agree. The first one is probably going to be my all time favorite in this franchise. Um, just because, again, story. The way it was directed, the way everything flowed, um, the, the trivia fact that I thought was fascinating, and I, I had to like remind myself, is that Ethan doesn't fire a gun in that movie at all. Hmm. There's no and there's no wow. gunfight. There's like no gunfight and and huh. no really like gunfire. Like everything is all espionage, which is fantastic. And I was like, wow, that's a that's another reason why I really appreciate that movie so much because it didn't rely so much on like the bang bang kind of aspect to it um you know and then we got a lot of that stuff later on in all the other movies i mean let's not talk about the second one because you went from that to the extreme in the second one right but yep. i also i do also want to shout out the third movie the the one directed by jj abrams because if it wasn't for him he helped kind of save that franchise because the second one was such a bad turn that it yep. could have totally killed it, right? But then JJ comes in, and people forget JJ was actually really good at the whole action spy genre. I mean, he's he did Alias on TV for several years, and that was such a great hit. And he did such a great job. I actually missed that team. That's why I'm like, I, that's why I was, I was I keep saying missed opportunity and not bring Maggie Q back. You know, the other dude, uh, Jonathan Myers. Yeah, Jonathan Reese Myers. Reese Myers, like, missed opportunity and kind of, like, just bringing them back a little bit, you know? Uh, Because that was a great team. That was a fun team that I saw working with Ethan there. Um, But then you're right. The fourth is what helped kind of 
get us to where we are now with the whole mythos and the way that the tone of it all. Um, so it'll be interesting once this, this part two comes out, uh, hopefully next year, uh, where we could actually do a final deep dive as to, okay, where do all of these things rank? Because I, I do feel like it's unfair to rank this movie right now because it could change solely based off what we get in the next one. So, right. so yeah. And if, if you, and if we look at it like as a one movie, which yeah. part one and part two, sure. Or if it's really going to be more two separate movies and how we categorize that, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then some of the things, issues we had with this movie, they could all be corrected by the next one right. or exacerbated. And I, I have a feeling, at least the way that things are going, they've got the formula down. Same director who made Top Gun. Mm -hmm. it, amazing. Super Macquarie, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I, I hope they release next movie next year. Because if you have three years in a row, those numbers, then you're in some wild stats territory of blockbuster records and achievements where like yeah james cameron does gets the number one movie every 10 years but they get the number two ish movie or like they make a billion plus every year that's wild and it's all tom cruise too like to tom have cruise tom cruise yeah. yeah to have tom cruise and Amazing. this guy have like three hits year after year yeah. that would be fantastic that would be a phenomenal right. So the at the end, back, maybe Tom Cruise did it. Uh, hell yeah, he there saved he saved Hollywood for you know f you Nolan <laughs> and AI and AI yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, what was your ranking on this movie for on uh, Letterbox? Five, the big five. Wow. A little more realistically, I might give it four point five. Uh, that friend who was talking shit about the franchise, I was trolling them, and I put in five. And be like, <laughs> Wait, did you really like it though? And I'm like, oh, I'll show you how much I liked it. Uh -huh. Boom. Um, that said, four point five or five, I'm gonna say for sure. I had an amazing time with two bros watching the movie, mm -hmm. and we're pumping our fists, high fiving, going like, whoa, doing that thing. If you get that reaction out of me like eight times in your movie, yeah, that's yeah, I, I was fully enthralled the entire time. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I gave it a four for me, um, That's good. which is Great. still good. Yeah. And, and again, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Um, and again, rating could change based off what we get in the next one and all that. But I think four is a solid rating for me for this movie. It was very enjoyable. And again, like I said, seeing it a second time, it made me appreciate a lot of the action scenes so much more. So just seeing the finished product. But I also have that appreciation because I saw how it looked like before and the crazy, even the yeah. crazy shit that they went through. I mean, I'm just like, my God, like they really went all out on this film. And I can only imagine what they have ready and in store for us in the next one, because you got to top it right each time. Tom has to top it every time. You know, that's just his ego will not let him do anything less than that. So <laughs> they don't call him Top Gun Tommy for nothing. That's right. Uh I, I might go rewatch this one tonight, literally. Like, it, I, I, <laughs> this is on the top, and there's not much out until we got Barbenheimer coming up. Oh my uh, God. The next episode, a little bit. Yeah. Until then, I need a movie in my life, and it's going to be this. This will be, we get three AMC movies a week, and it'll be this one, then Barbie, then Oppenheimer. So, here's my question as, as we close out this episode. So, Barbenheimer is next week. Mm -hmm. Are you watching both movies in one day? You know I would, and I would love to, but they did the Wednesday 7 p.m. Barbie blowout showtime. They so did. That's that. right. Yeah. And that's 
sold out so damn fast, and yet your boy was on it. I'm so glad nice. I set up my notifications on my AMC app. So I literally yeah. go in, and it was like first two rows. Ha! Jokes on you, idiots. I choose the first row. Like I, I live for that. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Like I go out of my way for the oh, first I know. row, plenty, unless I'm seeing with friends, because they're like, "Oh, that's psychotic. You're a weirdo. What's wrong with you?" And I'm sorry, I love movies so much. I want to be wrapped up in them. I don't want to. Be I want to be see the in sky. it. I want to be in it. Literally. Yeah. I want the movie to be the ocean, and I'm a tiny little fish swimming at the bottom. I have no problem with that. So it's like, oh hell yeah. Same with Oppenheimer. It sold out so fast. I think I was got on it a day late. All, and I really wanted to see it in the best theater I could. Yeah, there's still some available, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm going the the experience they meant me to have, but not the seat. <laughs> I saw an article. Christopher Nolan rates which seat to sit in for. Well, no, he did it. He did. Are you serious? Yeah, I didn't well, know. Well, somebody's asking him, and it's like okay. it's just an inter- answer to an interview question or whatever. But he gives his answer, and it's essentially in the middle. I think he said three fourths of the way down or two thirds of the way down, something like that. But ideally, huh. you're not in the middle, middle, middle. You're just kind of like looking up a little bit or whatever, um, or it's like right at your your eye line is with the whatever. Joke on you, Christopher Nolan. I will not be seeing it where you want me to. I will be in the front row of your movie being nuked i will get radiation from the screen i hope oh my god yeah you know, i i love him as a director but there's just something about his like his whole geekism yeah. about the whole movie theater going experience that's just you gotta also appreciate and love too his passion for it all but we there's more of that honestly yeah there's too many people who are taking the paycheck and this guy's like yeah. i'll lose money because i love movie theaters so much is this an appropriate costume for Oppenheimer? Because I, I, I'm not going to wear like a trench coat and a fedora. If I get a microwave and then put it around my head and then open the door up and then I'm just have a microwave. I is think that the same I technology think, or is that not how that works? I think you should just go should go full on tinfoil hat, you know, just to help protect yourself from the radiation. You know? That's why I think of that. <laughs> for the record, I didn't look at, you might appreciate this. I did look at Mario Babam costumes. <laughs> They're, they're, they're not realistic enough. I don't know if you can imagine that, but they look pretty stupid on an adult who's trying to sit in a movie theater with people around him. I'm not doing that. Especially like especially like opening night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. And they're like, sir, you can't sit because the people around you can't see. And I go and sit on the floor in front of the screen, even closer than the front row. I honestly was like, if they would let me do that, I would still... I would really Sitting there that. like cross-legged, just like looking at... <laughs> Like a beanbag, not even a man, just a bomb beanbag at the front of the theater. Someone kind of comes and tries to sit on me. I go, oh, no, 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 like, no, 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 hey, hey, hey. Why is that beanbag talking? Yeah. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Oh, now, yeah, now yeah, I want to do something like that. You know, like, like, so I know. More silly dress up stuff. That's going to be our, that's going to be our challenges. It's, it's what I know, we right? do, whoever loses the box office summer game is. That's the true. Person gets to pick a costume for a, a movie in the oh, fall. Oh, man. Are you are you dressing up in pink for the the blowout party? I actually don't own anything pink. I don't either. I, might yeah. do, I thought about doing a Ken thing because I was looking through the Ken trailer. Their costumes are so '90s ridiculous. Sure, yeah. Uh, for the Ken characters, I don't know. I'm not sure how they're set up, but if they're all Ken or some of it, whatever. But the male characters in it, they're I don't own anything that looks anything like that. So I'd have to go to a craft store or order. I'm not doing that. So I might do like. I'm wearing a polo. I might do a polo and shorts, a little uh, beachy look or something. If, but if you have like a so if you have like a sweater, you could tie it around your neck. Do like the whole preppy exactly. '90s thing, I you think, know? I think preppy 
um whatever beach yeah look something like that maybe i'll do yeah shorts shorts polo and a sweater tied around your neck like type of shorts colorful yeah i think i'm willing to do like h&m and buy like a 14 dollar pair of shorts for this movie (laughs) and then i'm good yeah so maybe something like that. Yeah. The real one to me, which I, I'm excited about. I'm excited about Barbie. Don't get me wrong. Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach, Margot Robbie. Ryan Gosling is my dude. I've seen basically every movie he's ever been in, except the weird few that I can't. I'm, I was at like 40-something Ryan Gosling movies last I checked. It was a, a Oh, my God. Number. Yeah. Huge, huge fan. Oppenheimer I'm way more excited about. And then mm-hmm. every time I see a headline, because I don't read anything about it, I'm avoiding trailers, but I just see a headline and it's like, oh, that's about, oh. And every time it's like more excited by it. And I'm worried yeah. that I'm overhyping it. But my understanding is, is I don't know what to really expect. I just know that people are saying it's really intense. So I'm going to try to like meditate beforehand, clear my mind, not have yeah. anything, no expectations, let go of everything. Yeah. Except my bomb costume. That's the <laughs> That's like the best idea ever. That is just so fascinating. I love it. But yeah, get ready for next week, folks, because it's going to be a jam packed major episode of movie time as we talk about what could potentially be two of the biggest movies of the summer, if not of the entire year. Mission Impossible aside, of course. Uh, but yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. Um, but as, you know, with all that being said, we will catch you next week then because this ends this week's episode of Movie Time. As we say our goodbyes, Blake, where can people find you on the interwebs? Go to letterbox.com. Look up last name Wolf. That's my username. Last name Wolf. No punctuation, common spelling. And you'll see in there a list called Something like 90s movies where Tom Cruise is suspended in air, worried a drop of sweat will give him away. And that includes Mission Impossible 1 and The Firm. It's true in both. I kid you not. <laughs> both of them, he's sweating. And, and, or, and I think one, anyway, I'm not going to spoil The Firm in case you haven't seen it yet. But that's where you can find that and where I gave Mission Impossible 7, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, five stars. Nice. Nice. And yes, do follow him in there because I do appreciate a lot of those lists because they are quite hysterical. Um, But yes, I am also on Letterboxd as well, obviously under the Low Key Geek. And most importantly, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, threads. Are you still doing the threads? I mean, I feel like it kind of fell off a little bit for some people, right? Like the whole threading, threading the line, threading the needle. I wasn't tweeting before, and now I started threads, and then two threads in, I just stopped. So yeah, I feel like that's I'm a lot of people right now. Get into it, but that's that's how it works with a new product. You just have a bunch of people doing it, signing yeah. up, and then not necessarily sticking to it. I don't know if that means what how successful it will be or whatever, but I do have a threads account, and I I'm hopeful it's successful. Yeah, and I used to tweet like wild until it went through all the issues it's had. Sure, sure. And yeah. So there's a version where I get back to that. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are just waiting for threads to uh, implement some some features that is sorely yeah. missing. You know, like I don't want to see posts from people I don't follow. And I, I'm, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of that right now. And I'm just like, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Like that. So the search features are what I'm waiting on. Yeah, um, because I was trying to find an article within threads. And that's the main reason I, I still use Twitter. But it's because I'm like. I'm on this highway. What's the traffic like kind of mm-hmm. thing? Or like, is what was that explosion in New York? So just checking new, like 
people commenting on a current topic or the, the current NBA game or whatever. Right. right. Um, there was some news situation that broke and I was going to actually respond to it, but I couldn't find it. And no one I was following posted it. So, right. Um, they, and they've even said that's part of the whole deal. They wanted to get it out there sooner. Mm-hmm. Which, good for them. I think it was a good move. Hey, it worked. They're going to add features. Yeah. Yeah, it worked. What did they have over like a hundred million signups already and, and growing? Sure. Jesus. And it's yeah. just like a week, right? So that's pretty nuts. You know, good good for them. And it's I love <laughs> I love the battle between Zuckerberg and, and Musk right now. It's just it's very comical if you follow that kind of stuff. But uh but yeah, threads, we're we're on it. So yeah. you can find us there or find me there and all that. But as always, don't forget, like, subscribe, follow, comment. We would love to hear from all of you. Let us know your thoughts on Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, or just the franchise in general, your thoughts on, on, on it all. What, your, what are your favorites? What are your least favorites? And how do you feel this movie falls in between all of that stuff? Let us know. And this has been Movie Time. I've been Renee. That's been Blake. We will catch you next week. Stay cool. Stay classy. Stay safe. Peace out, y'all. Bye-bye.